Welcome to the bonus episode of The Investigation. I'm Chris Blasto, senior executive producer here at ABC News. It's hard to believe, but it's been 22 months of the Mueller investigation. He's delivered 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, and over 500 witnesses interviewed. And now it's officially over. You know, we had inklings on Friday that it was kind of heading in this direction when they announced that there were no further indictments. But I have to admit that even up until five minutes before the letter came out, I was surprised on the obstruction that, um, you know, I know there are still open questions, but but that really, I, di- I didn't know what the answer was. And as I said before, Bob Mueller deserves a lot of credit because he kept a leak-proof investigation for all these two years. So I think anyone in Washington who said they knew what was going on didn't know what was going on. Well, at all just to your point about obstruction, Chris, I mean, this is what the letter says. It says, in cataloging the president's actions, many of which took place in public view, the report identifies no actions that in our judgment constitute obstruction, obstructive conduct and had a nexus to a pending or contemplated proceeding and were done with corrupt intent. I mean, it, it, it really is amazing for how many times, you know, we were looking into this. We know the president was asked questions about obstruction of justice when he received that long list from special counsel Robert Mueller's team. But to think that they didn't find anything that rose to the level of charging with a crime, that's where it actually is quite interesting for the president. Well, I think about that, though, is that the thing about Donald Trump is that he obstructed in plain sight. Right. You know, and that was always the problem. He was obstructing right before our eyes. Well, and I think that the one caution on that on on that reading of this letter is that if and when the full report is is out, we'll see a fuller portrait of what the special counsel's office saw in terms of obstruction. And it does say it is in the language in the letter is clear that the Mueller team didn't draw a conclusion on obstruction, but they did see conduct that could be viewed as obstruction. It says the report sets out evidence on both sides of the question, and then it was up to the attorney general to mm-hmm. decide, does this meet the threshold? Right, and, they, and both Rosenstein and the attorney general both decided that there was not. Because actually, but goes to my point of saying, I watched him obstruct. Right. He admitted it to Lester Holt right. in some ways. But I think what Barr and Rosenstein concluded was, no, it wasn't, it wasn't the intent. That's true, but I think that the conduct in, that's laid out in the report that, that was submitted to the attorney general for to him to reach a conclusion, it, it may not be politically palatable for the president when you see it all laid out. Well, and, th- and this is the part where I think it is going to be interesting where this moves forward, because it says the special counsel states in their report that, quote, while this report does not conclude the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Yeah, I know. And, and but I do have to say, and we didn't discuss it, we're going to go to Mary Bruce, but I do have to say the essence of these four pages, it's a big victory. For Donald Trump, the fact that he categorically wrote in this these these notes that there was no collusion, that that's what this investigation was all about, and that's what he has been cleared on. It is the biggest takeaway for sure. And now we'd like to bring our senior congressional correspondent from Capitol Hill, Mary Bruce. Mary, hey gang, hey. So hey, listen, I kind of believe that with this uh, this four page letter, uh, impeachment may be hard, 
case to make for Congress. Do you think that's off the table now, or what do you think? Well, Democrats have said that that was never the intention, right? They've made it very clear that that's an incredibly high bar, that if they were ever going to go down that road, they would need bipartisan support. They would have to be something that was so glaringly obstruction or that, 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 that everyone had to be on board. But what we're seeing now is Democrats zeroing in on that question of obstruction of justice, right? Zeroing in on the fact that Mueller was unwilling to fully exonerate the president. And they want to know why. And that's why we're seeing Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, say that they need to hear from the attorney general. They want him to testify, he says, in the near future. They want to know his decision making. They want to understand why uh, he made the final decision that he did. And of course, they still want to see the full report and the underlying evidence. On the flip side, of course, you have Republicans honing in on those two words, no collusion. They are declaring case closed. And we heard Lindsey Graham, of course, the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, a close friend of the president's, say this was a great day for the president, that the cloud hanging over him has been removed and that it is time to move on. And that's the argument you're going to be hearing from the president's backers and from most Republicans, I suspect. Now, Mary, when you go through this letter from the attorney general, he writes that it's his intent to release as much as possible. We've seen the four pages eventually will most likely get something maybe beyond that. Um, But he says that there's grand jury uh, secrecy concerns that prevented him from releasing more. So how does this work now with Capitol Hill? Do they actually go and subpoena this document from the DOJ? Yeah, these four pages here that I'm holding in front of me are not going to cut it for Democrats, right? They've made very clear they want everything. They want every scrap of paper, every memo, every note, everything. And they're going to use every tool they have to get that. Uh, And that means that they're going to subpoena. It means, you know, as Nadler said, they're going to bring up the attorney general. They could bring up Mueller himself to testify. And they are willing to sue. They're willing to go to court uh, in order to get all of this underlying evidence, not just the full report, but the underlying evidence as well. But Democrats know that is a long fight and they're bracing for a very long political fight, which is why while on one hand they're going to fight to try and recreate somehow the, 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 the true Mueller report, they're not slowing down at all. In fact, they're ramping up their other investigations, the scores of separate investigations that they have into this president and his administration. How do they handle, Mary, the fact that the president's been handed this pretty formidable ammunition to uh, take down any attack from the Democrats as more of the same? They can just hope to continue to hammer away at this discrepancy to question why Mueller wouldn't fully exonerate him and to continue to do their other work. Because remember, while Mueller was looking at, at issues surrounding criminal activity, House Democrats have a huge scope. Democrats on the Hill in Congress are looking into this wide ranging issues, everything involving abuses of power, corruption, conflicts of interest, the president's business empire, the president's finances, you name it. There are more than a dozen committees up here looking into this administration one way or another. So just because this wasn't far from a smoking gun that that maybe Democrats perhaps thought might be coming their way, that does not mean that they are closing any doors whatsoever. But do you think it's funny that the Democrats for the last two years have been basically saying Robert Mueller's a saint? Yeah. Um, Now maybe it may become an odd Alice in Wonderland kind of switch here in Washington, where as Ty Cobb called Robert Mueller hero, now the president... I could possibly see him saying, wow, Robert Mueller's a great man. And all of a sudden, Senate Democrats will be saying, oh, my God, why did what's wrong with Bob Mueller? I don't. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be questioning Mueller. Look, he is a uniformly trusted, liked 
well-respected figure. I, I think they will say they trust Bob Mueller, and that's why they, they, that's why they want to see what he really has. That's why they want to see his full report. They don't want the Barr report. They don't want Barr's summary. They don't just want his synopsis. They want the full, raw evidence and Mueller's true report. Okay, that's really great, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, your second appearance. But now there's, you're going to be on this show a lot more because it's it's your neck of the woods that is going to be the busy time over the next two years. I'm excited for it. It's going to be busy. It's going to be great. Thank you very much, Mary. And up next, we'll have former acting undersecretary at the Department of Homeland Security, John Cohen. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Chris Vlasto, joined by John Santucci and Matt Mosk. Joining us on the phone, ABC News contributor and former acting undersecretary at the Department of Homeland Security, John Cohen. John Cohen's really an expert in all these counter-espionage investigations. John, what do you have to say about this four-page letter? Well, these type of investigations are extraordinarily complex and difficult on, on when they don't involve the president of the United States. What Bob Mueller was asked to do was asked to consider the question, is there a provable criminal conspiracy that can be brought in court against members of the Trump campaign based on his finding that they conspired with members of the Russian government. So what did he tell us in the letter? He confirmed what we heard before from the intelligence community and through his own court filings that the Russian government uh, engaged in an extensive effort, uh, an effort that our intelligence community tells us is ongoing, uh, to sow discord amongst our populace, and which included their efforts to interfere with the election. He also told us that Russian-affiliated individuals made multiple offers to support the Trump campaign. What else do we know? That there were a number of highly unusual interactions between people associated with the Trump campaign and people who were affiliated with Russia's efforts. But what we are seeing in this letter is that based on the information they were able to collect, or more importantly, based on the information that they could use in court, they did not believe that they could present a provable case of conspiracy or coordination. I think, well, on the one hand, um, the president's campaign has a, a reason to breathe a sigh of relief uh, and to consider this a victory. On the other hand, because of the language used in the letter, uh, I fear that the political debate on this is just going to continue. But on the collusion, it seemed pretty clear that they couldn't prove it. And that's we live in a system of justice where, you know, just because you can't prove it, you're not guilty, right? What the letter says is the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. I think you and I are actually saying something that's very similar. We know, based on public information, that there were unusual public interactions. What Mueller is basically saying is that based on the information that he has acquired or that he can use, um, he can't prove a, a criminal act. And from the perspective of what Mueller's mission was, Mueller's mission was to determine whether there are prosecutable crimes that can be taken to court as it relates to U.S. persons or people associated with the Trump campaign and Russians' interference efforts. And what he's saying here is that he can't bring a case to court. 
Right. Uh, he can't prove it. So for that matter, from his perspective, he could not establish it. So now, how does this work, John, moving now up to Capitol Hill? Because we've already heard from the House Judiciary Committee that they want to bring uh, the special counsel and potentially the attorney general up for interviews. Do we actually think, John, that you know the fact that this letter uh, does not provide a, a long, lengthy roadmap, it's only four pages, do we actually think that those sorts of hearings could be done in public? In today's political environment, you know, I think but we've all learned that things that we didn't think could happen 10 years ago could happen today. I mean, part of the problem with a counterintelligence matter is that typically the objectives in dealing with a, with a counterintelligence threat is not to bring somebody to trial. It's to contain the threat. It's to minimize the damage. It's to acquire information about how your adversary is operating and then to use that knowledge to achieve your own intelligence objectives. You purposely don't take it into court or take it into Congress because you don't want to expose that sensitive information. The problem is, is that this situation has be- is so public and so politically charged that you know, the Republicans will use the Mueller letter for their objectives and the Democrats will use it for theirs. I'm kind of interested in this. So Andrew McCabe wrote a, a book. And in the book, or, or at least on, while he was on the interview circuit, suggested that the president of the United States could have been compromised by the Russians. I mean, does this undermine that charge? From a counterintelligence perspective, I don't have enough information to, yeah. to make that judgment. Because, you know, in the Russian playbook, compromise can either be recruiting somebody to be a witting accomplice or using somebody as an unwitting accomplice. And I would have to see a whole lot more information to know, you know, whether that is in fact the case. What I do think is clear is that there was enough unusual circumstances that surround the Russian interference effort to cause legitimate concern. But what we're hearing now is that Mueller is saying that after his two-year investigation, he has not found enough to file charges against people who are associated with the campaign. Thank you very much, John Cohen, and that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on this special bonus episode of The Investigation. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave us a rating. Thanks to our producer, Eric Mollo, and from my colleagues, John Santucci and Matt Mosk, I'm Chris Vlasto. We'll see you back here tomorrow and every day this week on The Investigation. The Investigation.